0: Hello, and welcome to the Marketing
1: Show Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our partner Canva. Canva lets you design anything and publish anywhere.
0: We use Canva to create all of our designs, even the podcast artwork you might be looking at right now.
1: We're back with episode four of Gerardo's startup journey through the Antler Accelerator program. Antler is a global early-stage venture capital firm enabling and investing in the world's most exceptional people, building the defining companies of tomorrow. Every year, Antler invests in the top 1% to 1.5% of entrepreneurs and ideas out of more than 50,000 applicants.
0: This week, we hear from G about his decision to disband from his team and move in a new direction. As part of that, we talk about difficult conversations and trusting your gut when it comes to big decisions.
1: We hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review while you're there. Enjoy the
0: show. Hey, Gerardo. We're so excited to have you back for week four. Tell us, how has the last couple of weeks been for you? It's been a roller coaster. And um,
2: I know last week we had a a really long conversation about finding a co-founder. And uh, unfortunately, but again, as part of of the journey, um, we've decided to go in different directions so today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the whole process of going and making that decision of uh, going in different directions and what that means for for us moving forward
1: wow that's that's big news
2: it is big news but it's um it's it's been incredible because i feel that it's it's really what a lot of people are seeing in the in the in the cohort um I don't say that in, in terms of a lot of people uh, kind of breaking up and, and trying to find new teams, but that sense of unpredictability and uh, and we talked about last week about resilience and, and great that's that's <laughs>
1: becoming more and more clear. So going through that process last week was really interesting. You said that this is something that you see on this type of program. Is it a particular time in the program where this tends to happen a little bit?
2: Uh, I, I cannot talk about previous cohorts, but um, this week, um we as I mentioned last last time we met, uh we we're doing pre IC so it's kind of a check-in for the Antler team to uh get an opportunity and, and see what every team is working on and based on, on those presentations uh which you pretty much get four minutes to talk about your idea and then you get questions from from the whole of Antler team. They 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 tell you whether or not you're gonna continue to go through through the program and then eventually pitch at the end of week 12 um or you can or they they can tell you that that's that's the end of the journey for you um which is obviously very sad for for many people so i get guess going into the pressure of of kind of this milestone um it's it's it just gets people a little bit ner- anxious and maybe thinking twice about where they want to spend their time and who they want to spend their time with
0: and this is obviously a natural part of the process for any business as, as they're starting up, but more so in an accelerated program like Antler, where you are meeting so many people and working on different sprints and ideas. Last week, we uh, we found out that you were starting to go on the journey with Jane. Would you mind giving us an update on how you guys have gone on different paths from this week?
2: Absolutely. So um, last week was awesome and we, we worked together for two weeks, um, one exploring her idea and Or the idea that she brought to the program, and uh, as as I said last week uh, I spent so much time in, in learning about virtual reality and the industry, which was incredibly cool for me to learn something new and then after we tracked out um last week we this we started exploring and based on some feedback that we got from different people in in the cohort and an antler, uh, we realized that we needed to take a a, a bigger approach on building something for, uh, businesses, uh, which is, it's an interesting space and it's quite hard to get in there. The conversation with, with Jane was a um, really interesting. We, we, we were really good at kind of getting back on, on, on kind of a brainstorming bo- mode, um, going back and really understanding the whole process of creating content, um, for businesses in, in virtual reality. We identified this really solid spot in the whole process of creating content um that is when a business engages an agency a creative agency to create vir- virtual realities um and i've actually been part of of that of this process the from the from the point where you give a, a brief to an agency to the first time you put on a headset as a client and see for f- the first time what that experience is looking like it takes quite a long time it's probably somewhere in between six to eight weeks so we saw a really good opportunity in going in and building something to give your normal uh, or your everyday let's say a marketing person in a in an enterprise the possibility to start getting more feedback and an early view of what an experience um, could look like antler was excited about this idea because it was a b2b play so uh we did a, a couple of days where we explored this idea and in, in and understood um, or trying to understand how to work with agencies, what it was the technology that we needed to to put together, um, what was the third co-founder that we needed to bring on board um, as a technical co-founder, like which, which set of skills and experience that person could bring, and that was a really good process. We we I think we did a good job and and talking to Jane. Um, now that um, we've decided to go in different ways, as part of the conversation, we we agreed that it was. For us it was really um good and we feel very proud about being able to shift so quickly and coming up with a identifying a problem and actually building um an idea to solve that problem in in a matter of days obviously it needed more validation but it, it was in a in a in a really good stage and then uh at the end of last week uh on the backs of of some conversations that we had with aim i started to see that she, wasn't not, she was not really uh, feeling passionate about this idea. She was always moving back to her original idea of building a content a creation tool to give people uh, the opportunity to build virtual reality experience faster and cheaper, which is a fantastic idea, and I think that it has a lot of potential. Um, so we just had a very honest conversation um I brought it to the table and and um we very quickly realized that it was it was not worth continuing down a path of uh, taking this to pre i c if we were not feeling comfortable um moving forward so we we made the decision. We had really good conversations and and I think we can talk a little bit about um, how how to have these conversations but it was it was awesome just to be able to communicate really easy with her and um, at the same time get the feedback that um, it, she was feeling comfortable with with the idea of just going in separate ways and we We, we took the decision, and that that gives us a, another six weeks now to to kind of find our feet and, and and move forward.
1: Yeah, it's great that you guys were able to sort of come to that that agreement on that decision. And, you know, we've said before, when you're finding a co-founder, you're finding someone that you want to, you know, work with and work on the same thing with for a very, very long time. So Correct. much better to, to be on the same page and be upfront.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We we talked about, um. all right, if we go to pre-IC together and we, we can build up pretty solid business case and we're probably going to continue on the program we know we don't know but we have a good chance but then then what happens right we still don't feel that the idea is um it's just the, the passion is not there so we we better just call it quits now
0: and 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 try to find the next the next thing for for the two of us yeah, it's, it's so interesting when, like, you're learning so many different systems of design thinking or, or ways of coming up with an idea or a business that are really, really helpful. But at the end of the day, if your, I guess, emotional system is not saying that this is something you want to wholeheartedly pursue and, and give you a, a large part of your life to, to pursuing, um, it's one of the best indicators, right? So I think it's really mature that you guys are able to have that really open conversation and, and have that now so you can keep developing. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's... Um... That
2: aspect of being true to yourself um, and not just chasing an idea for the sake
1: of it—it's it's really important. Yeah, I, I'm interested in this space uh, in decision making on big decisions. Uh, how much of it do you think is, I guess, that gut feeling of you know I'm, I I feel like this is right. I'm passionate about this versus perhaps looking at the data and feedback that you know you may you may see and making a decision off of that. Do you do you weigh up both?
2: I. I I think it's it's important and I try to see both or find the balance between both but for me gut feeling is especially when when the decision has such a big emotional and could lead you to like it you it's it's a big commitment in terms of time and um emotional uh commitment I guess um, I guess like for us marketers, if, if we're going to run a campaign um, and it's kind of a one-off or something like that, we just obviously go to the data and the data will tell you pretty much everything you need to know. Uh, but when, when, when you're making a decision, a big decision that has, that has a lot of emotional components
0: on it, um, I believe your gut, it's a better indicator it's it 's so interesting right like sometimes it's so like easy to to dismiss your emotions, especially when it comes to i guess like a business context and and even something that involves a lot of structured thinking um but I feel like with our emotions like you have this really ancient computer that's running a lot of analysis that we probably don't understand yet, which is helping you, right, along the way, and, and they exist for a reason. So, yeah, always really interesting when, I guess, the more you learn about the systems, the more you realize how important your emotional, personal instincts are as well.
2: Yep, and it's it's hard to go through the process, especially before you make the decision. The the day where we were kind of not not sure how how this was going to end, I think your God is telling you what what is the decision that you, that you need to make, but you're really struggling to commit to that decision. Once you make the decision and you have the conversation and it's over, you look back and you got it's you can you can clearly feel that it was the right decision and, and that's super comforting, I guess. Like like, yeah, this, this feels this feels okay. This feels like was the right way for us to to move forward.
1: Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you, you feel like you've made the right <laughs> decision. Uh, what, what's Antler's uh, response to this? Have you spoken to Antler at all about it?
2: Yeah, so it's it's been fantastic. And I think this is a really good opportunity for me to talk a little bit about the support that we get um, uh, along the journey. So obviously, when, when we started having a conversation of potentially um, spilling up um, I reached out to some of the guys at Antler, the the uh, program manager, and I, I really wanted to understand what my options were in after after uh, going separate ways, and they were just so supportive um, that I feel very very grateful, and and um, I I cannot imagine uh, a a more nurturing environment than than this for someone that's starting to build or that is trying to build a business and that it's gonna face all these difficulties along the way. So it was it was really good to get their support and feedback. We all got together with Jane and some of the people from Antler. They gave us um some recommendations on on why it was better to make the decision uh a, Last week and not in 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 the couple of weeks that are that are coming just just to save us some time, um, but it's just it's it's been great to have to have antler on the side uh, guiding us and making sure that we feel comfortable
0: with the decisions that we make. When it comes to I guess having a difficult conversation. Uh, what have you learned and what tips do you have for anyone that might be having a difficult conversation coming up or even uh, future Antler cohort members that are looking to come into the program that might be listening to this in the future? I, I like to always go back
2: to be honest. Once you feel that something is not right, talk about it. And with Jane, when, when we were kind of starting to work together, we agreed that that was one of the things that we were going to do. And I really liked that about her. So when, when I felt that was the case, I brought it up and we had a really good conversation about it. It was, it was, it wasn't hard. It was really easy for us to just engage in conversation. She was very honest with me in terms of, this is how I feel. I was the same. So just, just making sure that you're bringing how you feel to the table and being open to have a conversation is super important.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to, I guess, having these difficult conversations, like no one, no one likes to be in the position where they, they know they have to do something that isn't going to be easy. Um, but do you have any other advice of how to, I, I guess, give yourself that kick that you need to say, I need to have this conversation. Cause I think it's very easy for people, for some people who maybe haven't been as proactive or feel the time pressure of an antler program to go, we'll deal with that later. We'll get there later. For me is about,
2: again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go come back to this again. It's it's being true to yourself. There is no point of spending time doing something that you don't really feel is right. Um, and it's in, in my case, I'm going to use um, the example with Jane. It, it's not fair for me and it's not fair for Jane, right? If I feel like I'm dragging into or taking her in a direction that she's not feeling comfortable with, it's just not fair with with. To her, so i I, I want to raise that early and and do it not only for me but also for her. so we can come up to whatever outcome it is early. If I was on the other side of the table, what would and if the and if the other person is not feeling comfortable with X, y or Z, would I like him or her to raise something and say something? Probably, yes. Yeah, get out of your
1: own head a little bit.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Someone once said to us, I think, on one of our podcast interviews, uh, uh, they gave us this advice of think about how you'll feel about that when you're 80, it kind of makes me think of that. I think when you're 80, you look back and think, I'm glad I did the right thing and I did it when I, at, in the moment that I felt yep. that I should, you know, instead of delaying it.
0: Yep. It's very um, seven habits if you begin yeah. with the end in mind and the yeah. end being the absolute end. So <laughs> I think sometimes <laughs>
1: a little bit of perspective is um, yeah. <laughs>
0: definitely the, the right thing to be holding in all these situations, right? Mm. And for us in the program, it's,
2: it's all about time, right? So we, are, we come into the program trying to find a co-founder to build a business that is going to take anywhere between five to seven, eight years to build. Um, So it's a big time commitment. So you need to be very smart in terms of who you want to partner with, that everyone is 150% sold on the idea and and the business and
0: feel passionate about it. Otherwise, you're going to struggle. You're not going to make it. Post having that conversation... Was there anything that you did to help yourself reset, both, I guess, physically, mentally, and emotionally? Did you go for a big walk? Did you have a coffee? I feel like you were looking at me that day or something. (laughs) (laughs) I went
2: for a a long run on on Thursday, which was awesome. Yeah, went for a long run around the harbor uh, next to the water. It was just fantastic just to get time to think. I, I use running as my thinking time. It's the best feeling in the world, and um, yeah, so I, I did that, and that that I used that time to really to think about maybe what we just talked about. It's like if if I was on the other side of the table and I, I what would I like to hear from me? yeah, I, I, I came to that to that conclusion while while running
1: just so liberating yeah it's a it's a good endorsement for for exercise um oh, yep. we'll get your Strava details after this <laughs> so, <if you> <laughs> <in>. <laughs> um, so look it, it's it's been a really big week you've had this tough you know tough conversation but you know for f- definitely for the best how does that affect you outside of of the program I guess it's a little bit of a emotional roller coaster
2: as well um I try to not to it's really hard, but I try not to bring all that home. Um, but luckily, and I, I, I have in Alex, uh, my partner, someone that it's always like very curious and wants to to know how my day was, and so we talk a lot, um, and she listens. So it's it's also although I try not to bring that home, it's also a good way for me to just air some things and get her perspective on 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 on, on things. So that that keeps me sane a little bit, uh, always getting some some feedback from her. And it obviously helps me think, see things from a diff, different perspective. But yeah, I, I, I try to to keep things kind of apart a little bit uh, or as much as possible.
1: Do you need to do anything to to make sure that when you come home that you don't bring all that home? Do you have any sort of even like mental little tricks that you do or is it just a matter of once I've walked out the door of work, it stays at work.
2: I think having a, a, a conversation with Alex when I walk home, it's the best thing to do. It's like she, I normally walk home, um, and we have a an interaction, right? Five minutes of how was your day, blah blah. So I, I use that as an opportunity to say I'm probably not in the best state of mind right now. This happened today. I'm feeling a bit tired, um, and then once that's out, I'm. I, I can move away from that. And she knows that if maybe I'm a bit quiet or I'm a bit grumpy sometimes, it's it's for a reason. So that helps and 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 yeah, that, that really helps us both.
0: Now that you have had these conversations and we're starting to move forward, what does the next chapter look like for the week ahead?
2: So um I've I've actually joined an another team and um I this, looking back to to gut feelings and to Putting yourself out there um, since day one or week one, when when we made all these uh, introductions, um, I met two incredible people that, and we've worked together doing design sprints, and so we've we've been really close um, in 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 making sure that uh, we support each other. Um, they all of us, so we, we have we're three co-founders now, and all of, we we all came in with different ideas, but we know about each other's ideas, and we try to support it throughout the process in, in going design screen and and brainstorming. So, um, I'm not going to tell a a lot about what this idea is. I, I'm going to take a little bit more time to talk about this, um, on, on the next uh, episode once it's a little bit more solid, but yeah, I'm, I'm working with really, really good people. And, um, I think we're onto something super exciting but we'll, we'll talk about it next
1: week. Can't wait. Yeah, no, super exciting. Uh, can't wait to learn more about it. Well, as we know, uh, it's important to keep our minds open to what's happening in the world around us and stay inspired. So on that note, what do we found interesting this week, Mark?
0: Well, guys, so um, uh, I don't know if you, uh, if anyone here has noticed, but, uh, but I uh, recently tore a calf muscle and I actually tore two calf muscles. So I tore both of my calves. Um, but I told one of them, uh, more recently, um, and this was, uh, an ISO injury. So as a result of, uh, the gyms shutting down a couple of months ago in Sydney, I decided to pick back up running. Um, hadn't been running for a very long time, and decided that it was a great idea just to, just to go for it. So a lot of enthusiasm, um, but unfortunately, in that process, unfortunately, um, I developed some calf tears. So um, it's been a great, uh, very like a lot of rocky montages of me <laughs> kind of like training in the wilderness, going up. The yeah, stairs. just getting yeah, exactly, getting these like calves strong again, right? Um, but it's been I'm getting to a good point of the, of the rehab program, which is which is fantastic. But as part of uh, going through that rehab. I uh, recently went to go and get running shoes fitted for me at a specialty running store, which is something I haven't really done before. Um, and I went to an amazing store in Sydney called Running Science in Roselle. So big shout out to any of the Sydney siders here. They're a running store near the Bay Run in Sydney, if you're familiar with it. Um, and they're run by a really interesting uh, sports podiatrist and, and store owner who who does a lot of the fittings. and. Like, awesome process. I got to I get diagnosed in terms of what my injury was, what my rehab program was looking like, and what my needs were as a runner. Um, I got to try on many different shoes and get analyzed on like a fancy treadmill and, and run up and down, which is fantastic. Like um, a pro
2: athlete. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I was like, it made
0: me feel like a lot more athletic than I really am. Like, I kind of felt a bit sorry for myself with this really sad injury. Um, but. Uh, the The outcome of of getting fitted for these running shoes is that I ended up uh walking or running away with a pair of uh, running shoes by a smaller brand called on running um, so their their tagline is that it 's like running on clouds, which is very very romantic um, but it was quite cool to get fitted for a pretty funky pair of running shoes, which I never would have, really would have um uh, looked at had I, had I not gone to a specialty store and also, also gotten fitted um, and the thing I found really interesting about it is that it 's a uh, started by a Swiss company that were some uh, some guys that were ex runners that decided to start this business um, and they were amazing engineers and decided to look at a new way for cushioning for running and uh, their I guess their core competency is a type of uh, cushioning which looks like little square bricks which in turn what they refer to as their clouds. Um, but the thing that's really interesting as part of their uh, whole range of, of running shoes is that they've designed a split sole, which means that when you look down, I guess, the bottom uh, of your running shoe, which is where your foot hit would the, hit the ground with all the traction, they've actually split it in the middle into two, which means that um, there's a lot more movement for your feet to be hitting the ground to absorb the impact. And the thing that it made me realize and, and something I found really interesting throughout this whole process and learning about it is that we think of running as such a really like easy and natural thing to be doing that you just put one foot in front of the other. But I guess learning about this, uh, this company and going through this process, maybe appreciate how intricate the movement of running is and also how like intricate the foot is as well in terms of how many uh, impact zones there are and how many different bones act um, behind the scenes in order to perform this movement. So um, going through the process was really helpful and also set me up hopefully for a really great uh, future of running Uh, long into the distance and and long into the future. Um, And I think looking at a startup that, you know, decide to develop new running shoes in a very, I guess, cluttered market, you know, if you think about running shoes, you're not really going to use the Peter Thiel zero to one, uh, formula of starting a business where you're gonna design the first ever running shoe and have a monopoly of running shoes they're into a really crowded market with some really cool ideas that were centered solely around innovation and because of that and because of that product design i was fitted for them rather than um i wasn't really served an ad for on running uh, as as my core purchase decision so yeah super big shout out to on running the, the whole experience was, was fantastic and even little details like their packaging was really interesting that they've even, they've printed clouds on the inside of their box once you <laughs> open it up, which is, it's such a small detail, but when you get a black blank running shoe box and open it up, it made me feel like I was really experiencing something special. Um, so yeah, big shout out to On Running. And if you ever do uh, want to get fitted for running shoes, definitely go down to your local running store and, and go through that process. It's, um, it's been really rewarding. And a great comeback. That's good. We'll go for a run soon. Yeah, totally, man. I'm hopefully, by the water, we'll, we'll think it through. <laughs>
2: I just love running around the Opera House and, and the Botanical yeah. Gardens. You just like feel so it's lucky special. that we get to. Do that. Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. It, it's also it's made me like, appreciate as well like how many people use running for that specific reason as well. Mm-hmm. Like um, I saw on social media recently that the uh the latest Supreme Court judge for Wisconsin in the U.S. Um, was uh, sworn sworn in to become the Supreme Court Justice while on a 100-mile virtual running race. And I was like, apparently it was like mile 30 that she found out that she got the call that she was sworn in to be the Supreme Court Justice and then finished the race. And I was just like, that is awesome. (laughs) Um, So yeah, really interesting community of people I'm excited to, Mm. to learn a little bit more about.
1: Well, gee, what about you? What did you find interesting this week?
2: So I... I think I told you guys that I'm a big YouTube fan. Um, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, and I try to use it smartly, not try to educate myself. Um, So this week I came across a video uh, by one of my favorite YouTubers or content creators, Um, this guy by the name of John Harris or Johnny Harris. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, He is a journalist that works for Vox eh, Media in the the U.S., Um, and he has this really cool series called Vox Borders, it goes to different countries around the world, and he talks about, he identifies uh, where there is some issues uh, along a border between two countries, and he talks about the history of why that conflict is there or any interesting facts. So he, he kind of became a big journalist and, and got a lot of views and kind of created a community out of, the, of, of that um, a specific um channel, I guess. But now he's he's taking this um more of an independent view and, and he's running his own video creating his own content. Um and not not with, with Vox, but on his own. Um, and he just every every week or maybe even twice a week he he posts really interesting content about anything really. But the one I want to talk about today is is super curious and he wanted to figure out, or he wanted to explore, if it was possible to photograph a galaxy from your backyard. So the way he approaches the video, and the way the the reason I love so much this story is because he uses the whole process of photographing a, a galaxy from your back backyard to tell really how important it is to fall in love with a process. Uh, And he uses this analogy of you starting in point A and you want to go to point B, so point A is you know nothing about photographing galaxies, and point B is having that photograph taken for the first time. And a lot of people see that as as a linear process, but in reality, when you're trying to learn something new, especially something that is so complex and has so many technicalities, you go through this massive valley. like You're going down, down, down. There's haze everywhere. You don't know when you're going to reach the bottom. But at some point in that journey, when you're frustrated and probably about to quit, you're slowly going to come back up the curve. And uh, so he goes through the whole process of all the equipment that he has to get and this telescope, and he gets a new PC and with these amazing like graphics card and all these things, Um and at the end, he, he gets his photograph for the first time. He reaches out to a massive community of uh, galaxy photograph enthusiasts on YouTube. And there's a lot of content on how to do it, um, which is amazing. The, the journey is is great. But again, the 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 cool, really cool thing is is learning to love the process and coming up with frustration. Uh, you're about to quit, but then there's something that keeps you going and going and going. And once you... Ent- once you learn to fall in love with that process, you can pretty much learn to do anything because you know at some point you're going to reach, you're going to start going up that valley again and reach to point B. So totally recommend. He's a super nerdy guy, pretty much loves or f- like learning anything, um, super curious, and you, you will see in, in, his, in his YouTube channel any, everything from geography to things like how to photograph a... A galaxy all the way to like politics and it's it's just really interesting to see his his learning approach to things
1: yeah i feel like you're leaving us hanging though how do you photograph the galaxy <laughs> from your backyard you i asked. need to know now <laughs> i'm glad that. <to laughs> so you
2: you obviously need a really technical camera like a telescope uh that you use to track once you identify where the galaxy is in the sky and, and for that you, you can like search on the internet um you need to find that spot in the sky and photograph it several times throughout the night um so in this in his case this galaxy was i think if i remember correctly next to the to orion the uh, constellation so you need to set up the telescope to kind of track because the earth is moving track and take photograph of that specific patch in the sky multiple times a night uh, so at the end of the night, you have hundreds and hundreds of photographs that then you have to bring into a laptop or a computer, and then it's called stacking, so it's pretty much merging all those photographs together, and after many times of doing that, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, I think it takes him more than two or three months to finally see the galaxy for the first time, and the photo photograph, it's beautiful,
0: I was secretly hoping it was like a certain setting on the iPhone, and we could all like go outside <laughs> of the building later and just kind of point point out cameras. To Unfortunately, the sky. no. It
2: is it is a little bit technical, but he did it from the back from his backyard. In I think he lives in, in Washington, uh, DC, and he's like, I guess it's everyone can do it if, if you invest obviously in the equipment, which I I imagine is a couple of thousand dollars, but it's doable and the uh, the photograph of the galaxy at the end it's amazing like you you think that it was taken by I don't know a massive like university or something
0: no, what a cool project like that's a fantastic we'll have to check that out Yeah.
1: yeah Johnny Harris was it Johnny Harris yeah, yeah check that out awesome well my one's a quick one, but I've just got a self-experiment to share with you guys, mm-hmm. which is uh, the impact of time of day on your, I guess, like exercise performance. I had not really, it's come out of necessity because I used to exercise more in the mornings, I guess, during the week. Um, but at the moment, I'm just finding I'm getting up later. And with the work from home thing, it's just not working. So last week I started doing nighttime cycling. Uh, Which was a bit sketchy at first, but if you get some good lights, it's okay. I actually found I have way better energy in the evening if I go cycling versus in the morning. Um, To the point that, you know, I I tracked one of my rides on Strava. I think I broke like every record, personal record I had uh, on all of the segments I went through, but not, I didn't feel like I was breaking them. And even like it going both ways. So it wasn't just a tailwind or something. It yep. was like just both ways. So yeah, so it's just a, a little one, which I'd never thought about much before is trying different times to exercise yep. because it can really impact. You guys probably know this well already, but for me, it was a revelation.
2: Do you know, do you, do you have an idea
1: or maybe a guess of why that's the case for you like why do you uh for me no i mean i've never been a super early early morning person mm. so perhaps something to do with that uh but i i suspected it was something to do with like circadian rhythm or something <laughs> and like for some reason at that point in time i'm just feeling a little bit more yeah. energized or maybe after work or something you've got yeah. know, a bit of bent up energy
0: i reckon it's probably you like also had a few meals in your system so you've had enough yeah. time for like glucose to build up in your muscles over the day, so that when you get to kind of get outside and and do your session, you've actually got some fuel, rather than really when you wake up in the morning, like you can get a banana maybe in you, <laughs> yep. um, and you've just been fasting for yeah. you know. Hopefully eight hours.
1: Maybe that's the next experiment: is to do morning, but get up earlier and have three meals before. <laughs> a See if the at, same. Get, get just up like, four AM, have three meals. <laughs> <laughs> <And it's laughs> have this image of you like ordering on Uber Eats, like all this
0: food, and it's like eating a chicken parmesan at like
1: four in the morning, just sitting there like, oh, I don't want to eat this, but <laughs> have to. For the
0: science. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, no, it's awesome. It's probably like. It's interesting, like working from home, I found similarly, like I've, I used to be very much an early morning exercise person. And I find that exercising towards the end of the day is giving me more of like a line that divides my work day Mm. from my switching off time. Like I find that it's really like maybe it's more difficult for me to switch off after work without that exercise session that it really makes that yeah. transition a
1: bit easier yeah um, yeah that's a really great point the other the other thing i've found working from home is because you're more flexible during the day yeah well some of us are i guess um is if you can like schedule in an hour to go cycling or running in the middle of the day like over your lunch break or something your second half of the day is amazing yeah nice one. super cool
0: yeah i've seen that too mm. yeah well, awesome, G. It was so good to uh, catch up with you this week, and we can't wait to check in with you next week as well. Guys, thank you so much for having me again, and yeah,
2: we'll, we'll connect again next week.
1: Yeah, thanks, G. See ya. <laughs>